Wow, it's been quite a year, huh? That's a bit of an understatement. This time last year, you would not have guessed what this Christmas is like. In fact, about four weeks ago, you wouldn't have guessed what Christmas is, uh, would be like. That the change of the Christmas policies just yesterday has rocked our nation. Um, and that our Christmas plans have changed once again and had to be amended. So I want you to think for a second is that what are some of the normal traditions that you do in normal times? What are some of the things that really make Christmas for you? In other words, for you, what is Christmas? Perhaps it's going to the famous Birmingham Christmas market, the largest outside of Germany. Um, perhaps it's making gingerbread houses with your family or going to the lights at the um, Litchfield Cathedral and seeing that and just the difference that makes in your life. Or it could be something very basic as far as watching Christmas movies on the sofa underneath a blanket. You see, these things are things that we would normally do during um, a normal Christmas, and you can still do some of those things. But when it comes down to it, that the true meaning of Christmas doesn't change at all. It's not dependent upon COVID. So tonight, I have the daunting task to try to explain what Christmas is in three words. So I won't get every bit of Christmas, but the three words that I want us to look at today is certainty, hope, and peace. And I'm taking this from John chapter 8, verse 12. And it says, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here, Jesus is speaking. He declares himself as the light of the world. In John, he makes seven I am statements, and he's very clear about his identity, that he is the Messiah, that he is, the Greek word is chosen one, that he is an anointed, um, which is Christ, and Christ is not his last name, but the Greek word um, for the anointed one, that he is not a regular religious leader. Even though many people throughout our nations think that he's just one of many choices. But the thing about it is that the prophecies behind his birth make him different. You see, some biblical scholars suggest that there are more than 300 Old Testament um, prophetic scriptures um, completed in the life of Jesus Christ. Now, circumstances that were beyond his control, which would be his birthplace, his lineage, and um, his method of execution were beyond Christ's control and could not have accidentally or been deliberately fulfilled. Now, in the book Science Speaks, Peter Stoner and Robert Newman discusses the statistical improbability of one man, whether accidentally or deliberately, fulfilling eight of these prophecies, and what exactly that would be. That would be 1 to 10 to the 17th power. Now, I know not everyone likes math, and you probably can't even see how much that is. That is actually 100 quadrillion. But let me go ahead and give you an example that they give in the book. If you had a 50 pence piece and you laid them all over the United Kingdom, that would cover the UK in 1.6 meters deep. And that if you marked one of those 50p coins and then blindfolded a woman and told her to walk as far as she want, as long as she want, and to bend down and pick up one of those 50 pence pieces and it was actually marked correctly, that's the odds of, um, that's the same odds as Jesus um, answering, um, excuse me, eight of those prophecies coming true. Those are astronomical. 
But the thing about it is you need to realize that just, because, just as the prophecies showed who Jesus was, is that he is someone not like any other religious leader. So the claims about who he is is something that we can take to heart. That Jesus is not a philosophy to add to our philosophies, but what Jesus say is the truth and that he is from God. Now the second word that I have is hope. And it says, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. That light shines in the darkness. You know what? The dark can be a scary place. I don't care how big you are, how old you are, that or um, where you come from, the dark can be a bit scary. A couple of years ago, my family and I went to the Heights of Abraham, which is up in the Peak District, and that is in the Derbyshire. And so what happens is that they go in there and they show you everything and then they turn out the lights. So I thought, you know, it's no big deal, but some of the different parts I'm hitting my head because I am kind of tall. And as they turn out the lights, I'm like, it's no big deal. And then I start thinking, I wonder if there's any spiders in here. Surely there's not any spiders. And I feel something br brush my leg, and I'm like, okay, wh what was that? Surely there's not any rats down here. But then what happens is it started getting a little bit more and more uncomfortable. And so I started thinking, when is it going to turn on the light? Because it's completely dark. Now, I don't know if the lockdown has been like that for you. I don't know if this Christmas feels darker than it normally does. Maybe that you're going through something that you just feel overwhelmed. I'm not saying that I understand what you're going through at all. And you feel like maybe no one knows what you're going through. You feel like no one cares. But the thing is, is that the hope of Jesus Christ is that God cares for you. And that you are not alone. It's important to realize that his love for you knows no bounds. So what happened there in the cave is in the heights of Abraham is they turned on a candle. And so it was, in, it was, it was quite amazing, unless you've been in a similar situation, it's completely dark and they turn on the candle and it's lit up that entire cavern. You see the bit, just a little bit of light makes an entire difference. So I want to encourage you and let you know that during the dark times right now, where you feel that you are alone, that you are not alone. And the promise here is that we are, as believers of Christ, is that we are never alone, even though we are walking what feels like darkness, that Christ's presence does not change in our lives. It's important for us to be able to acknowledge who he is and then also talk to him. And we as Christians call talking to God just prayer. Now, the last bit that I have here is peace. And this is where I'd like to spend the majority of my time. Um, and the peace here um, it has to do with the last bit of the verse that says, but we'll have the light of life. You see, in the coming of Jesus, salvation comes. Light is a fascinating thing. But you know what the thing about light is it also shows our personal faults. I know before that I thought I've shaved really well in um, the house. And then I go out into light and see that I've missed a variety of different, different um, places. The thing about it when it comes to when the light of God is that it shows all about us, the good bits and also the bad bits. So what happens is this, is that um, in the coming of Jesus, salvation comes, and light, like I said, is a fantastic thing. Jesus has come to tell us how we have turned away from God, how we have followed our own ways and not God's ways. You know what? Sin isn't only doing bad things. It's more fundamentally, fundamentally making good things into ultimate things. Sin is building our life and our meaning on anything, um, even if it's a good thing, more than what we build our life on God. Whenever we build our life 
um, on anything but God, is what happens is that that enslaves us and that the sin is called idolatry. You see, when we build our identity, our self-worth, our happiness on anything other than God, then we're looking into those things such as careers, our family, money, relationships, morality, to save us and to give us what we should get only from God. And that this idolatry where we are turning to other things and not to God leads to nothing but destruction, to helplessness, and to death. You see, such idolatry in our lives lead us to drivenness. It leads us to addictions. It leads us to severe anxiety, thinking, you know what, I'm never going to measure up. It leads to obsessiveness, envy of others, and resentment. You see, when we make an idol of something, what we're doing it is that we're giving it more love than we're giving the creator, the one who's made you specifically with, you, the, with your personality and your gifts, that he's the one who's made you to have that relationship with you. But what happens is that we decide to replace him with an idol in our life. So our sin is not only a violation of breaking God's laws, but it's also a violation of love. It's basically saying, that we know that you are God, but you know what? I don't really care. I'm going to run my life the way I want it. I don't want to accept your title. I don't accept your authority. I don't accept you in my life. And what happens is where we think that's freedom, while the world says that's freedom, that you can be your own man, your own woman, all that does is ensnare you to those spiritual idols. And you know what? Just like we're ensnared to, ensnared to our spiritual idols, people are ensnared by drinking drugs. That we live in denial of how much we are rebelling against God's rule, just as addicts live in denial of how much they are trampling over their family and loved ones. So it's in the midst of this, in the midst of this incredible ugliness, that the light of God shines on our lives everyone's lives. The Bible says that all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory, God's standard perfection. But in the midst of this, Jesus comes as light of the world. He is the Messiah. He is um, the light. His perfect life, so he lived a perfect life and then died on the cross as a payment of our sins and then rose from the dead and provided a way for us to have that relationship with Christ that we are saved from the penalty of our sins, of our, idol uh, of our idolatry, and that we can have new life in Christ, a life characterized by his presence and hope and peace, by believing in him and asking for forgiveness and submitting our lives to Christ, we can have this new life in him. You know what, my time is, is up, but my hope for you is this, that as we are looking towards Advent, as we reflect on how Jesus came, that we will remember the reason that he did come. Now, there were people that probably invited you tonight, so my encouragement is for you to talk to them, that we as Christians believe that God is speaking to all of us right now, that God is speaking both to Christians and to non-Christians, so that we're going to go into a time of reflection. We're going to have a time of video. I'm going to time a video. We're going to have a video. It'll be time for you to reflect. And this reflection can be you talking to God and saying, you know what, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, what's God talking to you about right now? So as we go to this video, take time to reflect.